alternatives. Everyone's like mission, mission, mission. It's so obviously fake. And the sales efforts of these companies are so obviously fake. I think they get all the wrong people who are like pretending they care, but just want the attendees, a jargon term for money nowadays that 12 year olds use. Uh, I learn something every day. Who knew that probably the best U.S.-China relations we'd see for the next 25 years were under Trump? Because uh, what was a Cold War, I think, seems to be turning into a hot war. But anyway, you were so prescient at the time, Alex, I thought, could you give me an update on just um, the state of the world? And is, is it as scary as it looks, or am I missing something? Um, yeah, well, we... the, the um the backdrop for this was Stan called me and, and was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm involved in some, a, a, a lot of organizations. And I'd like you to speak to, you know, the, the investment committee and the board there about your general views of the world. And I'm always a little bit resident, reticent to go into public. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can kind of be myself mostly at Palantir. And, you know, we've delivered a lot of value for clients and partners. So it kind of pretty okay with me being me. But this was a group of people who, you know, have normal jobs and are doing very important things. And um, and but and I asked you before, you know, before the call, I was like, well, you know, what dosage can I give them? <laughs> like, it's like, can the dosage be, you know, it is like, no, this day I was like, oh, no, 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 they can take the full dosage. So I gave them 50 percent. So <laughs> and um, and they still went in and the state of shock. Yeah, the, 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 the mic dropped somewhere around. Uh, there's going to be wars and inflation and disjunction and. Um, now, uh, it, it, part of it, I think there's a discount, honestly, on this because our products are built for a world of disunity, disharmony, uh, this whole concept of having vertical and horizontal integration exactly is built for a world where legitimacy declines and you have micro legitimacies and you have your supply chain isn't going to be your supply chain anymore because one day you're going to have it in this country and the next day you're going to have it in another country you're going to have to approve so i i felt like i could give them a higher dosage because they would discount it because it looked like well that's the world where palantir would do well and in fact we did build a company are building a company for a world of disunity personally where you know, i i've been very focused on um, declining legitimacy of Western institutions and why it happens and, and, and believing that the, the, the fact that, in my view, and there's all these micro facts, like why is a Palantir resume so important? Well, the reason why it's so important to be a Palantir is because the educational institutions we have now don't provide the same level of legitimacy they did when you know, we went to school. And there, there's, and there's things that like micro decisions, but basically that the decision-making right or wrong you and i probably agree it's often wrong but it even if it was right it's not viewed as strengthening legitimacy in the west and then the way i've spent a lot of my time abroad and then it's misinterpreted perhaps or correctly interpreted as bad decision making um so i i believe the world is we are the the fact that we can we have vertical and horizontal integration in our products is 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 ideally positioned because tomorrow is going to be worse than today. Um, and I think it's going to be worse than today for pretty ephemeral reasons, but it's just you have an inability for these cultures, West, non-West, to interact effectively. I think there'll be an acceleration of conflict with China 
you have you have um, you know we've played a, we've played and play a, a large role in, in in Eastern Europe, but the vicissitudes of the inability to get countries to actually get to dialogue, misinterpretations of resolve, technical competence, um, and then uh, and not an ability to unify internally. Now all this, uh, you know, and so I think there's going to be a rapid acceleration. And one of the things that um, I think when we talked about this before, it was jarring and shocking to people. I think now we're in a situation where no one wants to talk about how bad it could get because people are more realistic that it could get that bad. From safeguarding national security to protecting public health, government organizations serve our nation's most critical missions. With limited personnel resources to achieve their goals, agencies must align their people against urgent priorities in an agile manner. However, the scale of personnel and performance data is immense. Data is often codified in disparate formats within a web of siloed systems, limiting leaders' visibility into their workforce and making even the most basic personnel readiness questions like how many employees are at risk or attrition or need additional training difficult to answer. Palantir's personnel readiness module interoperates with existing infrastructure to unify this fractured landscape. The module promotes proactive intervention of high-risk behavior, enabling leaders to meet agencies' health and safety goals. Palantir's state-of-the-art access controls ensure sensitive data remains protected. Leveraging personnel readiness, Leaders at a federal agency facilitated real-time decision-making and supported operational planning at every echelon of a one million-plus person organization. As the pace of innovation quickens and instability becomes more norm than exception, agencies need immediate visibility into their personnel so they can develop and deploy the right people against ever-changing problems. Does the collapse of Russia present a scarier world even than we have right now? Well, first of In all, other words, get, how, yeah, how yeah. is Putin going to let that happen now, Putin and get out of the yeah. situation alive? And if he's not going to get out of it, what's he going to do? Well, one of the things that we struggle with in America and in the West is we, we struggle with zero-sum thinking. So if you look towards China and Russia, we, we it's very hard for us to understand what the decision-making would be because we basically don't do zero-sum decisions, especially the elite institutions. And in Russia and China, you have very zero-sum thinking. You can't, If you lose a war in Russia, you will lose your life. You will not be the yes. leader of the country after you've lost. Whereas, you know, if you go to elite schools and fail, you get your next job. <laughs> and so- And a raise. And a raise. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, not, it's not part of how we see the world. Now, I, um, if we want to avoid very dangerous situation, we have to have a way to both like it's like it, we, I like and clauses instead of or so it's like we we should fight to win and we should engage in dialogue um, not or um, and and uh, the fighting to win part is obviously their heroism software and you know uh, light hardware uh, and then the what does it mean to win what does it mean for the world what does it mean for I I personally am not an interventionist so I want to win but I don't really want to change Russia into a different society. I just want to, to be clear that if you cross borders and cross norms, that there will be pushback. Uh, there you have the problem of who's going to conduct the dialogue on the American side. There's a lot of tricky questions. Um, 
but it's like, unfortunately, you usually have two factions, those that don't want to fight to win and those that want dialogue. And I think you need both. Now, Xi Jinping decided he was going to be Putin's BFF like two weeks before Putin made what looks like a fatal error. Um, given the success of our intelligence there and what's going on in that war, do you think his calculus of behaving differently than he might otherwise have in his own sphere has changed or been delayed? Well, again, it's, it, this is where it's very hard to know because we would, the way Western institutions and even quasi-Western institutions work is you're not talking about the leader, you're talking about their lead, the leader conflicting interests and, uh, and then a dialogue between them and the people below them. The weird thing about, I would say, in the China context, at least my perspective, is you're dealing with one person. For so, sure. So it's like, it's very, very hard to know what his calculus is. Like, and so... Yeah, I, but does an autocratic regime, they're meeting on Wednesday, as you know, does he want to be, like, identified with a loser? It's one thing being identified with another autocratic regime. It's another thing being I, I, identified I, with uh, a loser. I, again, I, I think it's very... It's, it's, I think it's nearly impossible to, if I had to make a bet in the spirit of, I would, you know, was kind of reasonably right. I kind of, as I would, I think the decision will be to go long on being aggressive towards uh, adversaries and not to go short on it. And simply because it's, it's, it, it's the calculus, his own calculus. It's not the calculus of other variables. And I think the calculus there is I have a short, I have a, limited amount of time to live and I'm going to push really hard. Also, you know, it's very hard for, I spent half of my life outside of America and it's very, very hard for people to understand how the West even works. And so it's like- You mean from the East? Yeah. yeah. And so you just assume that like the, our institutions are going to fall apart. Everything's going to fall apart. The, the country makes no sense. How is it held together? The leadership makes no sense. It's kind of correct. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a, but, but in the middle of that, there is like this weird magical thing that sometimes comes together that is nearly impossible to explain. And, uh, and like, that's why you get these crazy, incredible companies in America. You get decision-making that actually over a long period of time, this like, whole, you know, lack of tribal nature in America that even with all the conflicts, it's still a very different environment than anywhere else in the world. You, you look at, at Palantir, this is a company that is, you know, like ha everyone here apparently is new because like every new person wanted to come to New York. It's like, this is a company that's de facto run by people that look 12. It's like, it's like, where, how you could that- You mean they aren't? Yeah. It's like, yeah, how could that possibly work? And so- Three questions. Are you seeing any sign of that uh, in your commercial enterprise business in the United States? B, are you seeing it treated differently in Europe because they're dealing with gas prices? They're down a little last couple of weeks, but the equivalent of like $300 uh, oil. And three, what does it mean um, for Palantir, where we get a recession, in other words, a bad economic environment globally, but with all this crazy geopolitical stuff going on at the same time. Yeah, so we, we um, uh, the, the crazy weird thing about Palantir is we, we are heavily uh, diversified by geography historically. Now, one of the dangerous things for Palantir is just how well we're doing in America. 
So we went from a business that you know was majority outside of America in 2019 to a business that in two years will be 70% U.S. based. Um, Wait, you went from? I'm supposed to know this. I'm an investor. <laughs> <laughs> you went from less than half in America to 70% in, in America. In two years, we will be. No, in two years from now, we will be a 70% U.S. business. And will that increase have come more from government or commercial? It's it the 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 commercial business has been doubling every year. This year, if you include Canada, it might double. But it went from a small integral fifty to one hundred to two hundred, and now it's and this is by the way X back. It's not being driven by uh, inorganic revenue. The U.S. business crossed the billion dollar mark alone this year. Um, so this is a big milestone. Uh, it, it, first, we crossed the billion dollar mark as a company, and then the U.S. the U.S. business has grown sixty one percent annually. So Kager, the last three years, yep. from like a just under $300 million business to a billion dollar business, LTM, so the last 12 months. So it's like, this this, this is like, the, the, the interesting question for Palantir is what the fuck is going on in the US? Why is it, why is this it's business- It's a 12 year old. It's a 12 year old. But, uh, um, and so the, the, the general thing is there's these macro conditions. I, I think obviously in, in many ways, the US on energy and, and other things is better positioned than Europe, but the, the key difference for us is how, how, does, how do cultures respond to certain exogenous pressures? And what, you know, for all the things that look weird outside the, you know, to people looking into the U.S., what, what is amazing about the U.S. is the adaptive ability of U.S. companies and U.S. institutions. Obviously, some things take too long and there are things that we don't like and they're corrosive. We sued the U.S. government twice because of what we thought was unfair practices. And there, there's a lot, but, but the U.S., we came with kind of products that, you know, first with PG, which was a way of modeling data and a way of doing it where you could segment the data and still find people who are doing bad things. And then with Foundry, which is a completely antithetical to the market way of approaching software. And so instead of selling a sliver of a piece of software with literally five to 10 salespeople per half of engineer you have that probably couldn't get a job at Palantir, you know, uh, the, you would, you, we, we led with an engineer focus and went for like the full value proposition. And, but in any case, leaving that aside, this was something that every single analyst, every single under, person who's tasked with understanding the market, so the VC community, the academic community said would, would, no one would ever buy. And, and, and America is quite willing to say, yeah, we wouldn't have bought that yesterday. We might not buy it today, but we'll look at it and then we'll quickly adapt and begin buying it and begin buying it. And what's also interesting about America, just at a more micro level, is in every other culture in the world, when you sell, you, you get a niche. So you say software for automotive, software for oil and gas. In fact, we're doing that. In America, by and large, people are like, well, we just want to see if this will work for us. So there's like people are very willing to adapt to what works for them, independent of legitimacy criteria from other things. And this is, and from people that they don't normally know or normally, not normally would not, would not interact with. So there's, there's that part just as a structural thing is very advantageous for us, particularly in America, less advantageous for, you know, a lot of companies adjust for dollar because super strong and make excuses like, but in reality, Europe is weaker for us than in, in America, even though if you adjusted for dollar, it's still by normal standards, like 25% or in the high, above 20 and perhaps even 30%, but what, what is the, it's adaptive. Now, what's very good for us in general on the macro conditions, including outside of America, is this um, energy crisis, inflation, geopolitical turmoil will break your internal IT system. 
Uh, and in fact, what is driving our sales uh, outside of America is simply that if, you, if you're a large manufacturer and all of a sudden you have to repurpose where you're building your pumps because you can't get them from Ukraine and maybe in, you believe things you, you could purchase in China, you won't be able to supply to the U.S. market. So a lot of most European companies have two basic markets, U.S. and China, and are they're worried that in the near future you will have to build a product that for one that doesn't have supplies from the other. So that's a, a massive overhauling of your operational infrastructure. And because it's a low legitimacy environment, you're going to have to show you're going to have to show bureaucrats in both countries exactly where the product came from, the products came from visually, and that completely maps into this vertical and horizontal integration problem that is maps towards a dis, disjoined uh, set of geopolitical conditions where people don't trust each other. From safeguarding national security to protecting public health, government organizations serve our nation's most critical missions. A ready organization makes informed and cost-effective decisions with their assets based on a clear picture of what they have, where they have it, and how that compares to what they need and where they need it. Today, leaders struggle to gain visibility into the readiness of their assets, whether it be their facilities, vehicles, IT equipment, or PPE to support an emerging project or mission. This challenge compounds when the scale of data for inventory and maintenance consists of millions of records in different formats across a web of siloed systems. Palantir's Asset Readiness Module interoperates with existing infrastructure to unify this fractured landscape. With a collaborative foundation in place, users can seamlessly analyze supply needs and inventory levels while enforcing agency data security policies using built-in, highly granular access controls. Agencies need to operationalize their assets in real time to solve challenging problems. Palantir's Asset Readiness Module empowers analysts, inventory managers, and agency leaders to make sure every resource is ready to serve the mission. Are you actually built for times where things are kind of dark? Yeah, and, that's the question. And, um, and you know, uh, you, you know, we had uh, the first arguably 16 years of Palantir, we were built, if everyone was like, you're shrouded in secrecy, we're also shrouded in the darkness of everybody wondering what the fuck is this crazy company doing? You know, and like being unpopular. Um, I, 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 I tend to see in what I think is going to be very difficult times, enormous advantages for Palantir. Advantage one is just in hyper kind of euphoric or geastic times, you have, uh, you have uh, essentially competition for our talent that's real. And so, you know, you have lots of companies that are going to fail, but they, they prevent people from coming here and people who, you know, have frustrations like, you know, lots of frustrations like shadow hierarchy and, you know, various frustrations. I was going with people and it's like, but in, instead of fixing those frustrations, they join like insect.com and enjoy the perfect life while failing. And that's, that's, actually, uh, that's actually been historically very, very tough for us and frustrating for me personally. Um, then you have like what, I tend to think in bad times, you have to answer really simple questions that are not theological. Like what does your company do why would someone pay you more for it than, than, than you paid to build it? So like, 
you know, can you, and what does your balance sheet like look like? Like, do you have money in the bank? How much money do you have in the bank? Do you have debt? Are you building things that are useful? Are you building things that are gonna be useful tomorrow? Uh, are those things gonna be useful when people are really screwed or is it just steak dinner sales? Like, are you just actually selling? It's like everyone is engaged in having fun and switching money around. The salespeople like the, the sellees, they're all, and in fact, it's just fun and you know, you're all getting rich. Uh, and you know, Palantirians are really, really bad at what I would call, I'm not calling that corruption, but it's like, we're bad at like, you know, we all win while doing nothing kind of theater. Uh, if you look at the people we hire, why we hire, these are like low theater, high performance, sometimes edgy people. Uh, and uh, that, that's why, and why are we building these very deeply entrenched products? Primarily for mission reasons. But the, the weird thing about mission is it's a metaphor for this thing will actually save your life. And therefore, you are going to buy it and you're going to pay us. We, don't, we, don't, we have very fair relationships with our, our partners, but it's absolutely, if you're saving someone's life, it is absolutely okay to ask them for enough money that your life as a business continues and thrives. And if you look at what Palantir did, um, you know, there's this huge, leaving aside the, the, the DPO, there were legitimate reasons why people were like, well, this company can't DPO. They're making, in, t in 2019, 750 and losing a couple hundred million dollars. We went from a company that was losing money to now is like making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. We have $2.4 billion in the bank, no debt. These are not a coincidence. And, and then we have our biggest assets, like Foundry has just begun to sell. We have not really begun to sell Apollo. We have all these war products that really people undervalue that we're about to sell. And we have a unique culture for building things. And the leadership uh, of Palantir, not just me, but honestly, for all the wrong reasons, me especially, I like bad times. Because bad times, people, it's like, it's, a lot of this comes to what, what was it like in like high school? In bad times, I do not have to fight with people about why I'm different. I can f explain to them how we're gonna actually get things done. In good times, no one wants to talk to someone like me. It's like, it's like get out of the office, leave me alone, I don't wanna hear this. And even internally, like, um, you know, we hire super, super complicated, talented, hard to manage people. And they don't wanna to listen to me either. <laughs> but you know, like, it, like in bad times, they go like, yeah, you know, we actually have to do this and things actually happen. So, you know, I don't like the bad times because they're bad for other people, COVID, pandemic, wars, uh, uh, disunity, uh, general recalibration of, you know, our asset, our greatest assets of, you know, institutions in the West that may not be working efficiently. But I think it's really good if you're in the business of actually doing deep substantive transformation and you're not in the business of getting people to buy things that are really not that worthwhile. And Alex, whenever I would talk to you, when you looked like the most enthusiastic and happy is when I asked you about the culture at Palantir and you started talking about Palantirians. And you just gave me about 70% of it, but has that hiring cycle, there's no way it could have sustained what it was back then. You were the company for the kids coming out of Stanford and MIT and Brown and those places. Has it cycled back up? Is it easier to hire people? And I know you just gave me a 
a lot in the last five minutes, but is there anything you'd like to add to what makes a Palantirian? Because I hear your, I see your eyes light up whenever you talk about Palantirians. Well, you know about the culture. But what is the, it about these but, kids? But the you biggest love? difficulty for us has not been recruiting the talent, which I think you know you could say the integral of, of people who know us has expanded so greatly that in fact we just have more touch points. So like, sure, it's like if you just focus on Stanford, Stanford has a weird vibe. Stanford's also changed. Um, you could yes. see fluctuations, but in fact, if you look at the integral of talent, and then there's variations, there, as there always been ge ge geographic uh, variations and who joins and under what conditions. Um, I'd say the biggest issue for us has just been not being together during COVID. And so one of the reasons I even wanted to do this is like, okay, we do event, people will show up, like make sure everyone- So you is, brought a 69 year old dinosaur in the interview? Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's- uh, um, 12 year olds don't get into that, you know. Yeah, well, you know, there's, uh, there's a, yeah, um, but, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, um, but, uh, um, I, so I do think there's like a lot we have to do on the culture to make up for the two years of being apart. But what makes a Palantirian a Palantirian is somebody that comes here sometimes for the wrong reasons and discovers, you know what? I realize that uh, it, at any other institution in the world, so I'm not gonna have the kind of freedom and autonomy to actually get mission stuff done. And as frustrating as it can be to have to convince the colleague next to me, it's also because they're frustrated at me because I can say no. And then, and then I so, so that's the primary. It's, it's somebody who also, of course, um, remuneration is really important, but I do think most people who come and stay here are really, really focused on what are you building? How are you building and what is the impact? Um, and, I do. Uh, I think what we've proven at Palantir is if you're very focused on that, um, uh, it, that that often but doesn't always work out better than the people who are just focused on like trying to get rich tomorrow, uh, who often don't get rich. Um, so true. Uh, but yeah, uh, um, and uh, and then hate you if you happen to get because <laughs> you make all the wrong decisions and then it somehow worked out right. But uh, um, but. Uh, um, and, uh, and so I think that Palantirians do believe that there is like a higher, more noble thing that, you know, than just, you know, the near-term uh, respect and near-term remuneration. I think that um, uh, Palantirians are, tend to be pretty tough. So like they, they it's like are willing to actually go through difficult times and being an outsider and fighter, fight, fight for things. And in general, uh, really kind of get off on making the world a slightly better, if not much better place um, over time. Uh, and, and then on the recruitment front, I think they're just, it is, we really, really benefit from the, the lack of alternative, alternatives. Um, and it's, it's partly because the alternatives, everyone's like mission, mission, mission. It's so obviously fake. Like yes. it's, it's like, and like, it's so like somebody's Palantirian is also so to true. say the obvious, a very, very smart. And the sales efforts of these companies are so obviously fake and they do not convincing. And then I think they get all the wrong people who are like pretending they care, but just want the attendees, a jargon term for money nowadays that 12 year olds use. Uh, I learn something every day. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, and 
and then it's compounding. It's like, you know, I ran into somebody uh, who was telling someone else, this is an ex-Pound Charity. He's like, look, Pound Charity being a crazy place. And this is somebody who's running a company. He's like, but if you want to do mission stuff, it is the only place at scale. And 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 like and then I like I just got I just have been going client to client, office to office. Uh, at a high level, I went from Denmark, where we play an enormous role because of data protection, to Israel, where we play a, a very important role, to the Emirates, where we play a, a very important role, uh, to London, where we play in a very important role. Like these are countries where we play and have had an material, in my in my view, back to America, but material, in my view, uh, unique role that had we not done this it would be a different world. And so you could take Europe. I believe Europe would be completely run by the far right had our products not been installed. And I don't mean far, far right conventional, what you guys may mean like goose stepping right. We live in a different world now than we did at the start of this year. Continue to confront cyber criminals. Ongoing the Gotham Europa release is built to deal with the chaotic nature of the modern threat landscape. This is the state-of-the-art operating system for modern intelligence and law enforcement agencies. As always, Palantir raises the bar to define how analysts can collaborate securely. Europa's newest collaboration features are chat and slides. With chat, analysts can now connect directly with colleagues in their own organizations and approve partner agencies in real time. Secure collaboration on the information being discussed is just a drag and drop away. Slides can save analysts countless hours spent building reports and presentations. And thanks to slides, presentations are now data aware and security aware, ushering in a new generation of transparency for people making some of the toughest decisions in the world. Europa's sophisticated machine learning capabilities enable users to test machine learning models supporting those decisions before they are deployed, ensuring effective, responsible, operational use of AI in highly volatile environments. Europa also comes integrated with Meta Constellation, which redefines how analysts can work with and tap into the entire commercial space industry. Meta Constellation and many other applications are possible because under the hood, Europa is powered by a new data integration engine and platform architecture. These give our customers' own data engineers working behind the scenes the most powerful suite of capabilities ever. And as always, multi-layered privacy and security help to ensure that our customers keep granular control over their data and decisions every step of the way. For over a decade, Palantir has worked with leading analysts and investigators around the world. Europa encodes all of this experience in our most significant update yet to revolutionize how institutions collaborate and build intelligence. Uh, I believe the Middle East, I know the Middle East, the Europe would have had major terror attacks, same thing in the Middle East. Uh, America would be very different, had another five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand people died in COVID and other events. Uh, the institutions that we power commercially, some of them survive because of us. The safety events uh, that don't have, you know, don't bad things that don't happen on the safety front. So this is like material impact. And by the way, there are people. Every single person here has been on a deployment they hated that was less impactful, and that's part of the price. Mm. So there was a guy named Steve Jobs, 
and he broke the number one rule of business is he made products, not that the customer was demanding, he made this product and assumed if I make it, they will come. I kind of get that sense that you guys do that here at Palantir too. And I know that what a game changer foundry was for you. Is there something else out there in the pipeline I don't know about that you could, I'm sure there is, but that you could disclose so well, I can think out um, a few years there, ahead of there, time? There, there's the, the war products, which are like literally take small countries and make them into juggernauts, like take every, give everybody a slingshot. Every small country gets the power slingshot palantir and can slay the the, the, the monster coming to attack them. And there's like a number of them and they're operationally useful and very- I think we're watching one of them. It's not so small, but- Yeah, well, yeah, and it's- and Sorry having, to interrupt. It's having an enormous impact. And then there's the further uses of Foundry, which are really just at the beginning, actually using Foundry operationally. And there's Apollo. It's like we're in a world where the outside organizations are disjoined and, 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 and disjuncted and need vertical and horizontal integration to- uh, to interact with their clients and with uh, regulators and with supply chains. They have the same exact problem with software on the inside, which is how we actually have grown from a tiny company with, you know, not growing headcount, but because we maintain our software with a product. Every single company, every single company, every single government in the world will essentially have to build something like this or buy it from us. And it's a very, very hard product to build. And that product is like many of our products kind of looks very not sexy in the beginning, but then powers a lot of the action. Spent the first half of my career with globalization, actually the first three quarters. And then with Trump, it started the other way and has continued to that way. Is this going to be like, I'm 69. Is this going to be the rest of my life? We're never going to have one worldism again. I don't think we're going to have that for a while. Um, and I, you know, and we're betting our products to this point of building products for the, the future in the past. It's like the products are built because I don't believe that that world is with us anymore. And you see how quickly the politicians who really are very good at figuring out what the reality is and then selling it to you as like some kind of ideological thing. But uh, um, they're best at how quickly they're shifting. And I think they're right to shift. And like, if you look at how America and Europe are now viewing other countries and what they're requiring of their supply chains or their, their, the data flow, how things are built. It's like, I think that world is largely over. One of the hard things that's going to, for people who are joining Palantir or younger is you've been completely socialized for a world that is evaporating and, uh, and it's not the world we're in anymore. Sad. I'll never forget my partner who interviewed you hmm. a year or two ago said to me during the Trump reign, he said, I don't think people realize this will be the peak of US-China relations in the next 25 years. They're not gonna do anything but get worse. And it sounded so ridiculous at the time. It was, you know, three or four years ago. And it looks like that's, we're on that track. No? I agree. 